introduction! Welcome to episode of Epiphanies, a podcast where two people with very different tastes in TV shows make each other watch the pilot episodes of each other's favorite shows in the hopes of making the other person have an epiphany and start to watch something they normally wouldn't. My name is Natasha, and I normally only watch cartoon shows. My name is Jessica, and I normally only watch live-action dramas. And this week, we watched a an anime, which is, you know, we've done some animes before, that's cartoon-adjacent called Cowboy Bebop, which I is one of my favorite animes, although I had not watched it in years, so it was fun to go back to um, and watch <laughs> it again, because I probably watched it in, like, 2016 or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what did you know about this before you watched it? I didn't really know anything. Like I said uh, last time we recorded, I did think it was the same show as BoJack Horseman. <laughs> oh, right! <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, very different. Yeah, and I think you told me it's like more of a darker anime and that mm-hmm. it's set in space. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's most of what I knew about it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I also, when I first watched it, I didn't know very much about it. I just heard people say it was really good and mm-hmm. that the music was really good. And I went into it thinking it was going to be very, very lighthearted. Which it's not. So the first episode really threw me the first time I watched it. The first episode isn't, like, terribly, terribly dark, but I still, if you went into it expecting something lighthearted, it still would have been like, uh, what? Yeah, like, watching it this time, because I knew what to expect, I was like, okay, this actually isn't, like, as dark and shocking as I remember it being. But I think I felt it was so dark and it shocked me because it was so not at all what I expected. I, for some reason, was under the impression that it was like a lighthearted comedy. And it's not that. (laughs) It does have a very comedic name. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, also, I looked it up. Bebop is a type of jazz music. Yeah. So it is like referencing that. But it does sound funny. And... I mean, like, there is comedic aspects of it, but I wouldn't call it, like, a lighthearted comedy, which is, like, what I thought it was. No, it's more of a noir. Yeah. It's supposed to be, like, a, like, a a space western noir, I think, is the genre that it's called. It gave me noir vibes, and it gave me a bit of Firefly vibes, which is a space western. So (laughs) Exactly. All right, do you want to talk about what happens in the pilot episode, which I think is called... Asteroid Blues? Yeah, Asteroid Blues sounds right. Mm -hmm. So it starts, and there's this guy who's smoking, and it's all dramatic and, like, not really black and white, but also not sepia. It's somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And he drops a rose in this muddy pool of water, and then we have all of these, like, quick little flashbacks to big gunfights and explosions and people shooting people, and slowly we're watching the rows get redder as we go between the rows and these flashbacks, and then we have the title sequence. The title sequence is very, like, old-school spy thriller. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, like, people running, the songs, like, it's one of those spy songs, basically. <laughs> you have the, um, the shots coming in in, like, sections to fill the screen. Very old-school spy thriller. It must have the title. I think it says Cowboy Bebop. I think so. It might say it in Japanese or English or both. I don't remember. Oh, actually, good question. Did you watch it as a sub or a dub? I watched the sub. Same. Yeah. I've never watched the dub. I have no idea how if it's good or not. 
uh, we go out of the title sequence and we have this overview of space and there's some ships that are going through these big rings and you see later that the rings are kind of what puts them into warp speed. I'm going to say warp speed because, again, I'm a Trekkie. <laughs> and and that's what it looks like. That's yeah. what the Star Trek warp, warp looks like. It's just a similar concept. I can't remember what the term is in Star Wars for that. Hyperdrive? No. I don't Hyperdrive know. Hyperdrive is something. I'm a fake sure. Star Wars fan. I can't remember what it's called. But, you know, Whatever. That, that thing that always happens in sci-fi where they go really fast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and when they do warp speed in Star Trek, you also see all of the, like, stars, like, coming at you the yeah. way they do in this. Same in Star Wars, yeah. It's, very it's Star Trek thing. And then we get these, like, very dramatic, artsy shots of Spike uh, working out. He's punching the air. <laughs> yeah, that's how you work out. And it's intercut with Jet Black cooking, so you're seeing, like, these fires going up, and he's doing cooking stuff. But it's very dramatic, and then the lights turn on on Spike, and Jet's there, and he's like, hey, we're having dinner, uh, we're having beef and peppers. And they eat dinner while they're discussing their next bounty, whose name is Asimov Solinson, and he works with the asteroids, or on asteroids, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think he works on an asteroid, like... That makes more sense. That's where he, like, lives slash works is on this particular asteroid, because I think there's, like, lots of different asteroids with people living on them. Interesting. That wasn't clear. (laughs) (laughs) They literally just went to Tijuana, but we'll get to that. It's not real Tijuana. It's it's pretty much just Tijuana, Natasha. (laughs) It's space Tijuana. They're on an asteroid. But yes, that's not necessarily made clear. It's made clear later in the show. How their space world works. Yeah, but, like, they're literally in Mexico from everything that they show. The Earth is uninhabitable. It's all in space now. Technically, Tijuana is in space, because Earth is in space. (laughs) Yes. Okay, anyways, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Jed is talking about Asimov, who they're going to get... And Spike is just complaining about the fact that he called it beef and peppers and it's not real beef. So Jet is like, well, we're poor, so get the fuck over it. And Spike's like, what happened to our last bounty? And Jet goes, well, we had to pay for all the damage you caused and all the injuries you caused and all the other stupid shit you did during that (laughs) bounty. So uh, we don't have that money. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which, fair enough. And Spike says he doesn't want to do the new bounty, which whatever and Jet's like but Tijuana has good beef so he decides he does want to do the bounty and I'm assuming there's a joke there that I just did not get because it was wild I think he just only cares about food I guess I don't really know then we see zero shots of him eating food in Tijuana no he steals food from that lady steals her sandwich or whatever maybe it was a beef sandwich yeah so they talk, take off in their ship, and Jet is talking about how he'll ask the cops for details while we watch Spike take out this, like, smaller ship that's, like, a big red plane uh, so that he can land in Tijuana. And we cut to this bar where there's some men who are gambling and arguing, and Asimov comes in with a woman, and she's pregnant. And they order a Bloody Mary, but they're told there's no tomato juice. And Asimov flashes this little red vial that he has in his pocket, and he's like, are you sure you don't have tomato juice in the back? 
So he and the bartender go in the back to do their little shady deal. <laughs> uh, and while they're in the back, these guys pull up outside, and uh, it's kind of intercut here. So Asimov is talking to the bartender about uh, this vial, which they call red eye and they call bloody eye, and then they continue to call, I think, bloody eye for most of the episode? Or red eye for most of the I episode. I think that, I think red eye is like the name of the drug, and then bloody eye is like this particular strain or whatever, like it's like the extra strong red eye, I think is the implication. Okay. It doesn't matter. It's a weird drug. It's this drug you put in your eyes. <laughs> It's a drug that you put in your eyes and then it makes you really strong or just really angry. Yeah, strong and angry and fast because you kind of like see things in slow motion. Yeah. You know, just a normal drug. Just a normal drug (laughs) that does things. So the guys that pulled up outside start to shoot. They start to shoot up the bar and the woman shoots back. Does she have a name? Uh, I don't remember if they ever say... Because the only person who would know her name probably is Asimov. And I can't remember if he ever refers to her with a name. I don't think he does. He's just the woman. She's just the woman, I guess. I don't remember if she ever That's all I call her all through my notes. I'm like, the woman. And I'm like, did I miss her name? Does she not have a name? I guess not, because Spike and Jet wouldn't know her name. Yeah. And I don't think Asimov ever says it, so... Okay, whatever. Doesn't even have a name. She might have a name and I just forgot. I don't remember. Anyways, these guys, they shoot up the bar. She shoots back. Um, Asimov takes the red eye because I think the bartender was like, prove this is real by taking it, which is wild, but whatever. (laughs) But it's like, he could like... Well, I guess this would be kind of hard to fake the effects, but like, he could be like, oh yeah, I'm so strong and angry now. But also, if you just had, like, something really irritating to put in your eyes, it would make your eyes big and red. That's true. So. He just has pepper in there, and he's like, yeah, it's bloody eye. <laughs> it's pepper spray. Beautiful. Good for him. Uh, so Asimov comes out to help her when she's shooting, and he has red eyes, so he quickly takes care of everyone, and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we cut to Spike who is in this very racist part of the episode. Yeah, I totally forgot about this part. Yeah, not great. I was like, how old is this show? And then it was 98, and I was like, okay, it's 98. That's a little, little uh, sooner than I would like it to be, but it's fine. It's not fine, but it is what it is. So Spike is in, like, I think a tent, with someone who is clearly, like, a native elder uh, doing a ritual and telling him his fortune. So the elder tells him that there will be a red-eyed man and a woman, and the red-eyed man will be on the side of the desert or something, and the woman will trick him and he will die. And he's like, well, I've already been killed by a woman, so I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And the elder says, you take women too lightly, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> That's actually great. <laughs> it's a great line. And then we cut back to Jet, who goes to the bar and he sees the aftermath of the fight there. It's a total wreck. And he hides because two other guys come in and they're talking about getting the bloody eye back. So these are probably the people that Asimov stole this from in the first place. And Jet jumps them and demands they just give him all the information. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yep. 
Good techniques. If it works. <laughs> then Spike is in his little plane and he runs out of gas. So he parks and, <laughs> you know, you just park your plane. Yeah, you're at the space gas station. Yeah. And he's in this public restroom where Asimov is, and Asimov is sweating as his eyes go back to normal, very heavy breathing. Uh, Spike comes up to the sink, he says something stupid, but it seems like maybe he doesn't really know who Asimov is, but I think he kind of did. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just walks off. And when he exits, he bumps into the woman who's carrying all these groceries, and he helps her pick the groceries back up, but in the process, he just steals a bunch of them. <laughs> And she calls him on this, but then she lets him keep it because obviously he's starving and he's cute and it's a nor. <laughs> and it's a nor. I could explain the entire plot of this show by just being like, have you ever seen a detective nor? Awesome. That's the pilot episode. <laughs> yeah. In space. <laughs> and actually, like, the space part doesn't even really matter that much in this episode. I guess... The very end, but also that could have just been a car chase instead of, you know. Right? And it's very, like, aesthetically space, which I enjoy. Yeah. But it's not that important. Yeah. It's an R. (laughs) Okay, so she goes with Spike to fill a ship up with gas. We get some backstory on Mars and how there are more people on Mars, and Mars is, like, the place where most rich people live, I think. And... Because I literally thought this was Tijuana. I thought that they just moved everyone from Earth onto Mars, which is probably still what happened. But I thought they were just like, yeah, Earth is here and it's fine. And this is Tijuana. But most people live on Mars. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. No, if I remember correctly, like Earth is pretty much uninhabitable at this point, And then like Mars was like the first big place everyone went to. So it's like the hub. And then like now there's all these like shitty little towns on like asteroids and stuff. But I guess a lot of them are named after places from Earth. Yes, Tijuana the Asteroid. (laughs) Tijuana the Asteroid. Okay, and she says that she thinks they'll be happy there. And she, like, rubs her belly and she's like, I think we'll be happy on Mars. And then Spike accuses her of running away uh, from her problems. And he's like, how long are you going to run? And she immediately realizes he's a bounty hunter, which is actually a wild logical leap. Because she's literally talking about moving in this, like, wistful voice to this, like, random stranger. And the idea that a random stranger wouldn't be like, oh, so what are you running away from? I think he says something at that, like, doesn't he call himself a cowboy or something at that point? No, she accuses him of being a bounty hunter and he replies that he's a cowboy. Mm, I thought he said something that tipped her off other than just asking her what she was doing, but maybe not. He's a little accusatory about it, Mm -hmm. but he's like, he literally does just say, like, why are you running away? Like, do you really think you'll be able to run away from everything? I don't know. It felt like a leap. It might be. I don't remember. I thought he said something else, but I also, I could be wrong. I don't remember what he says there. Yeah. And she's like, wait, you're really going to come after us? And he's like, no, don't worry. I don't deal with weak nobodies. And then Asimov jumps him from behind um, and chokes him and says, actually, he's the nobody. And the woman makes Asimov let him go. And he does, but he kind of faints. But as he's going, he pickpockets Asimov. And we don't see what he grabs, but it's pretty obvious it's going to be the red vial. 
And then her and Asimov escape in a car, and Asimov complains that she didn't let him kill the guy, and he's like, you only did that because he's attractive. <laughs> and she's like, all I want is to escape Mars with you. And it's like, this guy's weird. <laughs> Jet comes and finds Spike, who's still on the ground, and Jet explains all the black backstory of the bloody guy. Which I kind of thought was unnecessary. I felt like I'd gotten it by that point. And Spike shows him the vial, which he stole. And he's like, that elder told me that he'd be out on the edge of the desert. So that's where he'll be. So we're going to follow him, essentially. Great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Convenient. Convenient. You know, when you get your fortune told, so you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Normal bounty hunter things. Mm-hmm. So Asimov and the woman go to a different bar to deal with a guy who's, like, in a big sombrero, and it turns out it's Spike in the sombrero. Dun, dun, dun. And Spike throws the vial up, and he shoots it, and they get into a big fist fight. And then there's a lot of guns, and there's a lot of cops, (laughs) and there's a lot of people fighting. And during this fight, the woman gets shot, and it turns out her pregnant belly is just full of all these little red vials. I completely forgot about that. I was like, oh yeah, she's pregnant. And then I was like, oh, I guess she's not pregnant. I literally just thought she was pregnant. Especially since she's like, we'll be happy on Mars. Our little family on Mars. And like, they have that whole thing where she's like, yeah, he came back from me after like doing all these jobs to like get enough to like come back to me and presumably our child. (laughs) I don't know. She's like, I want to be pregnant with his child. So I'm like, I'm pretending. Probably. She's very good at it. She's very convincing. Yeah, I was convinced and I had seen this before. <laughs> Thought she was pregnant. Yeah. I do like that it was convincing because I feel like in some things you would have that plot, but it would be like really obvious from the beginning that like she's totally faking it. But like, you know, yeah. I feel like they did it well. They did. I, I definitely thought she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So she gets into the plane with Asimov because they're escaping. And Asimov calls her an idiot, and she looks sad and offended, and, like, she no longer wants to escape with him. But she does anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jet shows up to win the fight, presumably, and Spike goes after Asimov and the lady's ship, and they're, like, racing towards this thing that I didn't really know what it is, but I'm assuming it was, like, a defense mechanism of some kind for the asteroid. I think it was, like... Police. Oh, maybe. Like police spaceships. Sure. Police spaceships. Yeah. Normal things. Yeah. Who has jurisdiction in space? Well, probably that this asteroid has a police force for this asteroid. But maybe if you, like, left... I think that's maybe the, because they were trying to get away from the asteroid. Maybe once they're in space space, it's it's free, free reign. I don't know. It's like international waters out there. Yeah. Although there is something called the, like, International Space Special Police or something like that. The I-I-I-S-S-P or I-I-S-P. There's, like, a, a, a space police force, and I think they maybe have jurisdiction over, like, a whole area of space. Good for them. hmm <laughs> So, anyways, their sh- ships are racing towards the cops, and this woman goes, we're never going to get out of here. And she shoots Asimov in the head. <laughs> presumably because there's no way out. Presumably she's doing it as, like, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a mercy kill? Exactly. Like, it's a mercy killing. She's like, if I shoot him in the head, it'll be better than if the cops shoot us, which they do. 
Um, they shoot the hell out of the plane. The plane explodes. She falls into space, all of her red bile spilling around her. And, like, presumably she's very dead. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> I think either she's high enough up in space that she's, like, going to suffocate, yep. or she's close enough to the surface that she's not going to float and she's just going to fall and splat. <laughs> So, either one. Like, either way, she's gonna die. Being loose in space is bad. Yeah, never gonna work out for you. Unless, I guess, you were in, like, a space suit. But she's but not. I wouldn't consider that loose, because you're in no, a spaceship. you're right, yeah. Well, I said space suit, but... No, I meant to say suit. I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're loose in space in a spaceship, it's over for you. Definitely. Okay, uh, and then we're back on the Bebop, and Spike is doing his little exercises again, and Jet calls him to dinner again, and it's very, like, reminiscent of the very first scene. Except I think Spike's in a different room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. They also share a cigarette at the end of the episode. Yes, the cigarette, like, floats through the air, and he catches the cigarette, and Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay. Jet and Spike have a lot of increasingly homoerotic cigarette-sharing moments. (laughs) I have to be closer for that to be homoerotic to me. I don't know why. This is the, this, this is like, you know, step one. And then they got the whole, like, lighting each other's cigarettes and, you know, Mm. sharing cigarettes. There's, yeah, there's a lot of (laughs) cigarette-sharing moments. It's It's a theme. Cigarettes are so annoying because it's like cigarettes are bad, and I understand mm-hmm. that cigarettes are bad. Cigarettes aesthetically in media are like so like developed with like their tension and what you could do with them and what they symbolize and like how they're shown in a mm-hmm. way that like nothing else really is. And it's like, but you can't do that now because cigarettes are considered gross. And if your, like, 21-year-old protagonist was smoking this bad in 2023, <laughs> every single person they know would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's true, but it's, like, the aesthetic unparalleled. The aesthetic really is unparalleled. I can't uh-huh. think of any other single object that, like, has as much, like, weight to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I know. Anyways, that's the first episode. <laughs> Of Cowboy Bebop? Yeah, what did you think? It was a show. (laughs) Fair. You know this about me. I don't like Norse. I don't know if I did know that about you. Oh, okay. Yeah, as a genre, I don't like Norse. Oh, well, then this is not for you. (laughs) I just find them too formulaic, and I find that even when, like, shows, because cop shows always, almost always, always do, like, a noir episode where they're just, like, having fun. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard they try to, like, flip, like, the genre and, like, play with it, I find mm-hmm. it's still too formulaic. Like, they still get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. I just don't like noirs. I find them boring. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I wouldn't say I like noirs as a genre. It's not, like, a genre I seek out, but I wouldn't say I dislike it. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion on noirs as a genre. It's not, like, something I actively hate, Mm -hmm. but it's more like, as soon as I start watching a noir, or, like, there are some podcasts that are noirs, within the first episode, I I can tell you the whole plot of it. Like, I just, (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) That's fair. That's totally fair. I feel like I also have not consumed very many noirs. Mm -hmm. Like, I've not watched or read very many. 
That's but fair. like they definitely are a formulaic genre. Like even though I haven't watched very many, like I know the tropes, but Yeah. You know, if I like the characters and the rest of the story, like in this case, then I'm into it. Yeah, this one didn't really annoy me, but I just wasn't into it. I was like, oh, it's a nor. It got a little racist there for a second. It was a lot shorter than I expected it to be. And honestly, they could have done a lot worse job of that than mm. they did. Yeah, to, like, it's one of those weird situations where, like, I don't feel like they really did anything racist, but they were using tropes like playing around with yeah. tropes that are often used in a racist way like the idea of like this mystic elder is like not necessarily inherently racist but because it's used often in a racist con like you know what i mean and then it wasn't yeah. like a big part of the episode but like also it's kind of like I don't really trust you to use this character well. I don't remember if that character ever shows up again. I did not remember him at all. But still, it's kind of uncomfortable. It's like, I feel like you're playing in a racist space here. Yeah, it honestly was more of a, like, there's no reason for this to be here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I understand telling the fortune, let him know where the guy was going to be. But, like, there's a hundred other ways to do that. Mm-hmm. And also, we knew the woman was going to trick him because, again, it's a nor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. they just don't have to tell you that. <laughs> There's also, like, I wasn't even offended by this shot because it was so wild. There's the most wild shot of this woman's boobs. Oh, yeah! It's so bizarre! <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's in such a random place. And it's like, her boobs are, like, on the bar counter, and the camera's, like, right there. And you can see one of the men in the background just, like, staring. But it's so quick, and it's in such a weird place. And it's just yeah. like, here are her boobs. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, what's happening? And then it was gone, and I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah, and it's also, like, almost in a different art style. Like, her yeah. boobs are, like, very, like, <laughs> softly rendered compared to the rest of the, like, anime cell shading. It's like, what is happening? Yeah. It really... It was, <laughs> it was, it was almost funny. It was like, what? <laughs> it was such a wild shot that it was almost like, wait, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, this show is not... I mean, it's an anime from the 90s, and it's a noir. It was never going to be that great about women, mm -hmm. like, the clothes they wear and stuff. There is a female character in this, because th it starts with just Jet and Spike on the ship, but there's a few more people who join, like, their crew, and one of them is a woman, and she's a cool character, but her outfit is, like, the skimpiest thing ever. And you're like, how are you <laughs> running around, like, doing gunfights and stuff in, like... Something that looks like it's on the verge of falling off your body. <laughs> She's wearing these, like, tiny mini shorts that are, like, explicitly, like, the button is undone. And then she has, like, these tiny suspenders over this, like, <laughs> tiny little crop top shirt. And it's like, how is any of this clothing not falling off your body? <laughs> the suspenders. Yeah, the suspenders are, are, like, holding everything together. That's what's keeping the shirt on. <laughs> yeah. That's what's keeping the shorts up. It's an insane outfit. Poor girl. But she's a cool character, despite her insane outfit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's mostly what I thought of it. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that you're, that you're not going to keep watching it. I'm not. I don't, like... It's not one of the ones that I'm not going to keep watching because I hated it. Mm -hmm. I just don't care about it. That's fair. Totally fair. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. I'll take completely neutral over I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's valid.
But what do you think happens next in the rest of the... There's... It's also... It's only one season, and I think it's about 27 episodes, so it's not, like, a super long plot. Okay, well, I think that we get maybe a few more episodes of this where it's like, oh, here's a bounty. Go get the bounty. Do a bounty hunter thing. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? The fact that they're not cowboys. (laughs) Okay, so they're very much not cowboys, 100%. In this universe, cowboy is kind of a synonym for bounty hunter. Um, it didn't come up in this episode, but I think in the next episode we see that there's this, like, television program? Or I guess it's <laughs> not really television when you're in space. It's a space communication or whatever. Holovision. That, that is, like, here's all the bounties that are available for get, for bountying. And it's all, like, cowboy themed. There's these two, like, cowboy <laughs> announcers who tell people about all the bounties. And... So, like, cowboy means bounty hunter in this world, basically. Um, there are a few people, a few bounty hunters, who, like, lean more into the cowboy aesthetic. There is one guy who rides a horse in space, like, Amazing. on his spaceship. <laughs> and everyone thinks he's kind of stupid. But he rides his horse and he's got his cowboy hat. But, yeah, they're they're bounty hunters. It should be called Bounty Hunter Bebop, but I think Cowboy Bebop sounded cooler, so they just went with that. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think they go around being cowboys. and uh-huh. <laughs> Space cowboys. The, like, little Netflix description said that Spike and Jet Black are on, like, a mission to chase down a drug lord and his girlfriend, which, first of all, the syntax of that sentence is wild. <laughs> like, his girl, like, the drug lord's girlfriend, Spike's girlfriend, Jet's girlfriend... I have a feeling that it's Spike's girlfriend because he said that a woman already killed him. So I have a feeling that he had this girlfriend who broke his heart, who then ran off with a drug lord or got kidnapped by a drug lord. I want to say ran off because it's very noir and noir tends to be, oh, women are evil. (laughs) Women are sexy and evil and those are their only traits. What a mood. Uh, (laughs) So I assume eventually they start finding little clues or like maybe one of the bounties that comes up is like, oh, that guy's connected to this drug lord. And Spike's like, we have to go after him. And Jet's like, no, I don't think we should. You remember what happened last time that we got involved with so-and-so, the big drug lord? And Spike's like... I know, but I have to see her again. She holds my entire heart in the palm of her hands. So they go off on a little adventure. Obviously, like you said, they collect crew members who probably also hate this drug lord for various reasons. I assume Spike has sex at some point. This seems like the kind of show that would just openly be like, yeah, he's having sex. You're so right that it seems like that, but I'm trying to remember if he ever does. (laughs) And I don't recall. Maybe in a flashback? I don't know. I can't remember. It seems like the kind of show that's like, our protagonist is cool and sexy, and you know what cool and sexy people do? They have sex. Yeah. He's not that cool and sexy. Wei Wushan is way hotter than him. I love this. Pit Spike and Wei Wushan against each other. Who's sexier? I agree with Wei Wushan, for sure. (laughs) Wins every time. Probably could also kill him. Wei Wushan also canonically has sex. Not in the show, but in the book. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> on screen. On, on, on page? On page sex. <laughs> yeah, so I think he has sex, and then mm-hmm. I think the show ends with a big confrontation with this drug lord, or, like, he, like, finds his girlfriend in the drug lord's ship. I'm gonna say ship. I'm gonna say it's, like, a Death Star ship. Nice. And he goes in, and he finds his girlfriend, and she's all locked up, and he's like, oh, no, so you didn't leave me. You were kidnapped. And she's like, yes, I was kidnapped. Oh, no. And then he brings her with him to confront the drug lord, and the drug lord's like, ah, so you found Anna Beth Marie. And he's like, yes, I've saved her from you. And the drug lord goes, are you sure? And then she pulls a gun and she shoots him in the back of the head, and that's the end of the series. It's really good. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you didn't get it exactly, but you certainly got the gist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the whole show, the, like, framing device is the like they're going around doing bounties and mm-hmm. you know that's kind of the monster of the week kind of thing and then yeah like the overall thing is that spike was on mars like he he grew up on mars and he was part of a gang that i think is called like the red dragon gang or something it doesn't matter he was in a gang and the leader of that gang was this guy called i think his name was vicious mm-hmm. which is a wild name but anyways he's the drug lord he's the leader of the gang and Spike and Vicious and this girl Julia were like super, super close, super tight. Low key OT3 vibes, but you know. <laughs> and then Spike and Julia were like in love. And then they wanted to leave the gang because they were like, we're going to start a better life. We're not going to be in a gang anymore. And I think like as he got more powerful, Vicious became like less cool. (laughs) They were like, we need to get away from him. But still, like, Spike and Vicious have this weird, like, we're brothers in blood, but also enemies kind of thing. (laughs) And then Spike, like, tried to leave the gang or, like, faked his death or, like, something. I can't, it's been a while since I watched it, so I don't remember exactly, but basically Spike got away from the gang and everyone in the gang thought he was dead. So he was like, okay, I can, like, start again. But Julia didn't come with him and I don't remember if she chose not to come with him or, like, she couldn't come with him. I think she chose not to in the end. She was like, no, I'm not gonna leave or I can't leave or something. So he leaves without her and then he's all depressed and then he becomes a bounty hunter and he's like, if these red dragon guys ever find me, like, I'm dead. Like, Vicious will kill me because I wasn't supposed to leave. And the whole thing about, like, a woman already killed me, I think he just means, like, he got his heart broken by Julia yeah. leaving with him. And then I don't remember if Julia and Vicious do become a couple. They might. Seems like the kind of thing that would happen. Also, Julia might be dead. I don't remember. <laughs> so at the very end, Spike does go back to the gang to, like, face Vicious And then I think, and then it's like one of those ambiguous endings where like, it seems like Spike probably died in that final confrontation, but like, we're not a hundred percent sure. And that's like where it ends. (laughs) So that's like the gist of it. I don't remember the exact details, (laughs) but that's kind of what happens. Jet also has a whole like backstory about he was part of this international space police force and he left the police force because I think he like killed someone or something and he wasn't supposed to. I don't quite remember why he left, but he's got a whole backstory with that. And then the, well, there's technically three other members of their crew. The next person they get is not a person, it's a dog. It's a hyper-intelligent dog named Einstein. Love him. He's not a talking dog. He's just a little corgi, but he's very smart. (laughs) 
Like, he's specifically, like, bred to be, like, a really smart dog. But he's just kind of a dog. Like, he still just does dog things. <laughs> so that's Einstein. Or they call him Ein, but I think it's meant, it's, like, short for Einstein. Yeah. Call him Ein. And then there's Faye Valentine, who, low-key, I feel like Trist Valentine from Campfire Star Wars was a reference <laughs> to Faye Valentine. Um, so she's, like, the sexy lady. And her whole deal is that, like, she was on Earth before Earth became uninhabitable because of some sort of, like warp space accident that happened when humans were like starting to colonize space and then they basically like destroyed earth and then had to i think there's like some stuff still on earth but it's like pretty bad so then they all had to like go live on mars and asteroids but anyways before that happened when earth was still like habitable she got like really sick or something or she was like in a coma and they were like we're gonna put you in a coma until like there's a cure for this disease or whatever okay something like that and then she wakes up like 50 years later and doesn't, like, know what happened in the last 50 years and stuff. And I think maybe doesn't even remember her past. And so she's going around trying to be like, who am I? I have amnesia. <laughs> and then the last person who joins their crew is this kid who's, like, maybe, like, 10 or 12 or something um, named Ed, who's, like, very androgynous. And, like, at first they think Ed's a boy, but then they're like, oh, Ed's a girl. Who's, like, a hacker. Ed's, like, their hacker. <laughs> like, a child prodigy hacker um, who's kind of just... A kid who's good at hacking. And so that's their crew, and they go around in space, and Ed also has a story about, like, going back to their home. Love it. Yeah, that's basically what happens. It's a very, like, vibes-heavy show. Like, there is a plot, but I feel like the biggest part of it is just, like, vibes, you know? Fair enough. Do you want to guess my... Well, okay. You can guess my favorite character, but it's not one of the characters in this episode. It's one of the characters who joins the crew later. Is it Faye? It's not Faye. Is it Ed? It is Ed. <laughs> Little hacker. Like Ed a lot. I like that they're very androgynous and look, they don't use the word non-binary, but Ed's definitely non-binary. <laughs> and they're a hacker and they're just a very fun character. They're very quirky. And um, also another show that we might do at some point called Voltron has a character in it named Pidge, who I love. And I'm convinced that Pidge is based on Ed. They're very similar characters. <laughs> But unfortunately, Ed doesn't show up till like episode like eight or something. I don't know. Not yet. Okay. Not here. My favorite ship you can guess from this episode is a Jet and Spike it and is. their homoerotic cigarette chairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're very. Uh, they've got that the the two male anime protagonists vibe. Oh yeah, yeah. You know yeah. the vibe. <laughs> And they're also, like, you know, they've been, like, traveling together for a long time, and they're like, yeah, we're, like, depressed men <laughs> who are here for each other. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe. As for canon gays... There aren't any? <laughs> well, not really. There's no... As far as I remember, there's no canon gays. There is one character in one episode, maybe two episodes, who is, like, kind of trans? They're, like... At first, when we, if I remember correctly, again, it's been so long since I watched it. The first time we meet them, you think it's a woman. You're like, this character's a woman. And then they end up, like, finding out this character has a dick because they're, like, in a bath or something. I don't know. And then they're, like, the, the character's backstory is that they were a soldier who either, like, took some, like, super soldier drugs or, like, some sort of bioweapon attack or something, some sort of chemical thing that, like, made them more feminine. And so then they decided, I'm just going to present as a woman now. 
And then, so I guess they're kind of trans. It's a very bizarre storyline, but also they're just like, they're just this character who's in a few episodes, but this is their backstory. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. And and based on just like how this show is this episode, I'm going to guess they didn't handle that incredibly well. I mean, I feel like they handled it exactly how I just described it, which is just like sort of baffling, but like just kind of like, yeah, that's just this character's backstory. Okay, that's fun. They're also probably in a gang. I don't really remember anything else about that character. I think that they were like somebody Spike knew or somebody Jet knew. They're like their contact, but also like maybe they betray them. <laughs> gang stuff. <laughs> gang stuff. Yeah. But that's the the only queer character. Also, I thought, I, I, I remembered the show was set in 2030, which is wild. <laughs> but actually, it's not 2030. It's 2071, apparently. Okay. Still wild, though, that it was made in 1998 and that they were like, within 70 years, not only will we, like, be in space, but we will have been in space long enough for there to be, like, shitty slums. And, like, old-ass-looking buildings in space. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, presumably, in this universe, people were already colonizing space, like, before 1998. Because I feel like it would take more than 70 years for things to get, like, so old and shitty out in space. (laughs) You know? There's, like, these old men being like, the only reason this asteroid is so great is because we i guess like it's 70 years they could have been like the ones who made the asteroid 70 years ago and farmed it and farmed it but also then they would have had to be like okay 1998 we're like right we're ready to go to space right now so that in 70 years old men can be like i colonized this asteroid yeah that's fair but also maybe the reason i was thinking 2030 maybe Faye has been like unconscious for 30 years mm. so like in 20 2040 there was already stuff in space I don't know. Something like that. But anyways, it's like, it's fairly like near future. It's also like that fun sort of like 90s, 80s sci-fi where like it's sci-fi, but like people are still in space using like VHS tapes and stuff. I actually love old sci-fi specifically for when they're using something that like we would never use now, but it's a hundred years in the future. And it's like, what are you doing? I know. I love that vibe. It definitely... This, this show definitely has that vibe. Yeah. But that's also why Star Trek is fun, because Star Trek has cell phones and tablets and mm-hmm. things we do use now, and it was made in, like, the 60s. Yeah, Star Trek was, like, somebody psychic worked on Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Or someone with just very good concepts of, like, wh- where technology was going to evolve to. <laughs> well, there's also, like, certain people will say that their technology is based off of something that they saw in Star Trek, and they were That's like, true. that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Still don't have teleporters, though. Not yet. That's a shame. Do you want to know what you're going to watch next time? I do. I do want to know. Well, we were in the future, so now uh-huh. we're going to go really far back in time. Oh, Okay. And we're going to watch Bridgerton. Mm, okay, not as far back as I thought. No, <laughs> I, I was guess. like, oh, it's going to be a show about cavemen? Hey, longer far back than we're currently in the future. 71 is like less than 50 years from now. That's true. That's true. Because Bridgerton is sitting... 1880-something, I want to say? You're right. That is further back than Cowboy Bebop is into the future. Yeah. So. I don't think I know a show about cavemen. 
I know a animated movie about cavemen. I don't think I know an animated show about cavemen. Well, there's the Flintstones, I guess, but I've never watched that. Never seen but any Flintstones. I've maybe seen some Flintstones as a kid, but okay. that's never. It's not a show that I would say that I know well enough to be like, let's do it on the podcast. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, so we'll watch Bridgerton, which has um, the guy from D and D in it. Oh yeah, um, the guy who. It's like Jean something. Regé Jean Page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah. 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 He was he was in the D and D movie. He was very good in the D and D movie. Yep, he's in there. He's he's the heartthrob boy. Nice. And <laughs> you could argue he's also the heartthrob boy in the D and D movie. <laughs> That's true. Same role. <laughs> Same role. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm excited. I'm glad. Uh, so. Thank you guys for listening to our podcast about mm-hmm. Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. And if you liked it, you can email us at episode50s at gmail.com. You can tweet at us um, or follow us on Instagram at Epiphanies Pod. You can leave us a review on iTunes. And if you do, we will, I don't know, <laughs> we will write. The intro to a noir story about you based on your username. <laughs> like, the, you know, the opening lines? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll just write one of those and keep swapping out usernames because that's what a noir is. Yeah, they're all the same. <laughs> well, no, one of them will be in space. One of them will be in caveman times. Mm. One of them will be in 1880, whatever. You know, we'll Perfect. change the setting. Yeah. Okay, I love it. <laughs> But I don't know what else I say here. Uh, but you know what else I say here, dear listener. <laughs> uh, because you were smarter than both of us combined. It's true. Bye.